Brother Nick was spot on. There is a war coming. An apostolic rock church has got a number of soldiers amen, amen, ready amen. to meet that attack that's coming. Yes, hallelujah. 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 Now God tried to do it the easy way. But there are some soldiers here tonight that have come without their armor on. And a soldier without armor is collateral damage. They are an unintended consequence, an unintended casualty of war. And if I could for just a little bit, if I could beg and plead that you take this time to get that armor on. Yes, hallelujah. Because we're going to need you in this coming battle. There's not many left, but we're going to need you in it. And I know we praised and we worshiped. And I believe someone's got a blessing from Jesus Christ tonight. But I've got a word for those that need to join the ranks. I've got a word for you. Who've let life and situations kind of push you down, kind of lock you down in a place where you don't know how to get back up. Maybe you can't even remember where you put your sword at. You can't remember where you put your shield at. God's drawing you tonight, and He's calling to you tonight. When I came with this, I had such an urgency in my soul for you. Because God's telling us there's not much time. There's not much time. Get in. Fight the battle with us. Pray and fast with us. This world's not soon or not long for for what's, what we're, we're dealing with in this situation right now. This battle. And we are victorious. We've all read the back of the book and we win. And to not be prepared for that victory. Is shame on us. It's not shame on anybody else. But us. You know I... I like the story of Alice in Wonderland, just the, the novelty of it. But even when, as a little kid, and even now, there was one part that always stood out to me. And it was when Alice was coming through the path, and she comes to a fork in the road. She comes to a, a decision time. And there's that Cheshire cat there, and she begins to ask him, and she tells him, would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? And the cat replies, that depends a good deal on where you want to get to. And she says, I don't much care where. 
And the cat says, then it doesn't matter which way you go. And that's the decision we're at and the point in life we're at right now. Where do you want to go? Do you want to make it to heaven? Or do you want to be here in this sad world that we live in? And that is the question we must ask ourselves. We have to care where we're going. God is calling us to care, to choose a side, to choose a direction. And we have to make up our mind. And why can't we make up our mind tonight while we have a chance? I'm going to read two passages. First one's Genesis chapter 11. Verses 27 through 31, and then I'm going to go to Genesis 12, 1 through 8. Genesis 11 and verse 27. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity, in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai's daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. In Genesis 12, 1 through 8. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thee thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. Into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land into the place of Sichem. Unto the plain of Moor. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence into a mountain east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And I want to preach and reach more than anything on this subject out of nowhere out of nowhere if we could for just a little bit let's pray in this place that Lord's will's done Jesus in your name I humbly come before you God that your will's done that you that you reach that you speak oh God what you need to speak Lord God, I magnify you and I praise you and I worship your name. 
magnify you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. We've got a lot of good families at ARC. We've got the Monks, the McKinneys, the Morans, the Mullings, the Mausers, the Maynards, the Munoz, more. If you're sensing a theme here, it's because I only had the M section of my directory. <laughs> Another fun fact. When we had our normal seating, 90% of those sat on this side. The M's were sticking together. <laughs> but no matter what family or what spelling of the family that we all follow, a similar pattern that has been passed down through the years. Some of our families were maybe full of lawmen or some full of outlaws. Some families are on the bigger side and some on the smaller. Some families are richer than other families. Some families are even distantly related to other families, and the distance is sometimes questionable. <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but my father's aunt married a Mullings, who happens to be, I think, uncle to the pastor's father. My father's aunt had a daughter to whom my mother's brother married. So I'm related on both sides to the Mullings from my father and mother's side. Does anybody else hear banjos? <laughs> so, uh, young person, do a background check on that pretty girl or boy that's in, that may have had generations of church people. You never know how closely related you might be to them. <laughs> but whatever type of family, however distant they may be, you come from, yours like mine was probably perfect. Yeah, I didn't think so either. Our families were in varied degrees, probably dysfunctional, at least a little bit. Even in the best families, there is still the problem that they consist of imperfect people making sometimes imperfect decisions. And our lives are the products of life and the decisions that they made. And what we have all found at some point is life is often unfair. Job a man who suffered more loss than any saved Jesus said it this way in Job 3 and 26. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. Things were not perfect to begin with, and trouble came. That's life. Our families had issues, our issues had issues, and trouble came. I tell my wife that. There is one thing that takes a usually passive Brother Nichols and sets him off. And that is unfairness in people. Because I have lived through a life of unfairness. And when people are not fair, it sets me off. Because we all demand fairness. It's oftentimes it's hard to give fairness. 
But we inherit many traits from our families and preferences. Sometimes these traits are not always positive. But whatever our family's faults are, when we acquire a habit or a belief that negatively affects our lives or those around us, we call this our generational curse. But for some of us, it's simply just how my family is. Jesus said in Matthew 10 and 36 that a man's foes shall be they of his own household. And I know he's referring to some that dislike what we believe in and, and how we believe at this time. And they don't accept it. And they don't like it. But oftentimes, that foe is what we've been trained and raised to believe. It's a mindset. It's a temperament that we have held to and learned from over the years. And through no fault of our own, we have taken on not just physical traits, but emotional and mental traits as well. Maybe your family was quick to anger or quick to take offense. Maybe they were unmotivated or maybe they weren't very sympathetic or perhaps they were emotionally distant. Arundhati Roy in her book, The God of Small Things, says the trouble with families like unmerciful doctors, knew just where it hurt. It's those closest to us that can hurt us the most. Often it is not even on purpose, but we take it personal because we believe they should know how we feel. In Matthew 13, 54 and 58, speaking of Jesus, and when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished. And said, Whence has this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Jesus understood how familiarity bred contempt. And maybe you're trying to reach a family member. You're trying to seek someone that's close to you, been close to the family, and they reject it. Know that Jesus knows how you're feeling. Jesus knows exactly what you're dealing with and the situation that you're going through. But can I tell you that Jesus took a Saul, someone who totally was against everything he'd stood for and made him a Paul. Jesus always has the final say. The Bible does not always give us specifics. And it doesn't always give us emotional status of its characters. But it doesn't have to because the Bible is full of an abundant commodity and that is people. And life and people have not changed much in 6,000 years. What Job say, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And we find Abram early in his life. And he was no stranger to trouble. Abram had two younger brothers, Nahor and Haran. The Bible doesn't tell us how, it doesn't tell us why. 
But it tells us that Terah's baby boy dies. That's Abram's baby brother. He dies. It doesn't tell us how everyone felt, but it doesn't have to. It tells us enough. It tells us that Haran died before his father in the land of his nativity. As a parent of a child, my greatest fear is that he will die before I do. That he will pass from this life and somehow I couldn't save him or do something that would stop that. It is a fear that I always have. And as a brother, knowing that my little brother has died, is a greater, another fear that I have. It's one that maybe I could have done something different. Maybe I could have been there more. Maybe I could have changed the outcome in this situation. And I would be living in what ifs. What we know in the word of God is that something changes in terror after Haran dies. It says he packs up everybody and everything and he leaves. But as he's leaving, not everyone goes with him. The middle son stays behind. And as a, as a brother with two other brothers, I understand this middle child syndrome. I'm living in the shadow of my older brother, and I'm battling the memory of my younger brother. I'm okay staying here while you guys go on. I can live on my own. This is the battle of every middle child. And this broken and incomplete family leave for a new life. But Terah couldn't get past his loss. The word of God says they leave the Ur of the Chaldees and go to the land of Canaan to Haran. He goes to the land of his son's namesake. He leaves where he was at to go to a place that was named by his son. If I can't have... My son, at least I can live here and die here with him. And it's in this environment of loss and change that God calls Abram to leave that past behind. Abram, I have something better for you. I have a new beginning for you. One that's free from the sorrow of loss that you feel. And if you leave that past behind, I'm going to bless you. And the word of God says that Abram travels to Sikkim in the plain of Morah. This is the entrance to Bethel. And the Lord God gives Abram a promise. But Abram was not content there. Abram wasn't content where the presence of God was and where God had given him a promise. He moved himself to a place with no name. Maybe this place looked more appealing. Maybe it asked too much of him. Maybe he had been offended. But whatever the reason, he found himself in a place between Bethel and Ai. Bethel in the Hebrew is the house of God. And Ai means the heap of ruin. Abram found himself in the middle of nowhere between the house of God and the place of ruin. This church has been called the place of the broken. 
We know the middle of nowhere well. We have been there before. God has called us out of that, and we have come facing all the darkness that we dealt with, and we've come. We've come to the house of God where he's filled us with the Holy Ghost. He's done a work in our lives, but with, with sometimes with life and with issues in life, we have drifted away at some point. We have all gone through this. I have gone through this process of coming, being filled, and then leaving, walking away, and finding myself in the middle of nowhere. And because we are familiar with this, we know what comes next. And we know how life works, and trouble finds us there in the middle of nowhere. The middle of nowhere is not the place to be when trouble comes. Because when you are in between, you are not spiritually able to withstand the life storms that are coming. And Abraham experiences a great famine comes to him. And it forces him from where he was at in the middle into Egypt. We understand that Egypt is a type and shadow of sin. And when he gets there, when he gets to this place of sin, he becomes a deceitful person. He hatches an idea to sell his wife off as his sister. He does these things just to save his own skin. And this plan works very well. No, for, for a minute, I feel that, that God is trying to do something in our lives, do something in our spirit. It's life that comes against us time in and time out. The devil will, will play on whatever life throws at us and try to drowned us in it it's trouble that comes there's always something that we're battling against and we're fighting against we have sin in our life maybe we're dealing with promiscuity or selfishness or or some kind of darkness in our life and god is trying to reach us Abram goes down into sin. Pastor talked about condemnation. He's down in that pit. Going into sin and condemnation is always going down. But God is trying to lift us up out of that sin that we find ourselves in. Don't be resistant to what God's trying to do in your life. He's trying to get you to see what's coming. The Bible calls us to be watchful and mindful of what, what's happening in our world. And there is no place for in between. Jesus tells the Laodiceans, I would that you were hot or cold. I could do something with that. But because you're lukewarm, I can't do anything with that. We have to choose a direction. 
And I pray you choose the Lord. Because that's our only escape from this life. And Abraham has had enough with the sin in his life. And God has to intervene in that place that he finds himself in. Now I'm going to have Brother Tracy help me here for just a little bit. You read for me Genesis chapter 13, verse 1 through 17. You hear that? Whenever you come out of sin, you're always going up. You're always moving up away from that problem you're in. You are not going straight across. It's always a, an upward trajectory you're moving from. Go ahead. Did you hear what he said? He said, Abram came up out of Egypt, out of the sin he was in. And he came right back to the same place he was at, right in the middle, right in that place of indecision. And what did he find there? He found strife and struggle. Every time you come to the middle, you're going to find a struggle. You're going to struggle between the sin of the world and that heap of ruin. You're going to go through guilt and repentance. And then you're going to go back to that same pattern again. It's going to be a constant cycle. You've got to break the cycle. You've got to move to the house of God and stay in the house of God. Not sit here in this middle section here. Joshua tells the people of God, he said, are you going to serve the gods on the other side of the flood? Or are you going to serve the gods that are here in the present life? But you got to choose who you're going to serve. There is no in between. You got to make a decision first and foremost, right now, right tonight. This is the urgency that God put on my spirit. I felt it so strongly that, that this is the time that you got to make a decision. The spirit was moving earlier and he gave you an opportunity to step out in that time. To make that decision. And I ask you, Jesus said that you can't put new wine into old bottles lest it break. And you're trying to put new wine into a bottle that was on the other side of baptism. You're trying to put new wine and it'll break on you. We serve a God that wants you to come to him fully, not partially. He doesn't want you to dwell in the middle. We serve a great God. I'll keep reading.
God always gives us a choice. You got to make a choice. We can't stay here in the middle. We got to make a decision. We've got to choose the Lord. And I'm trying to reach somebody. There's, I feel a resistance in the spirit. I feel that God's trying to get you to see what you need to do. That you need to take up that armor and join the ranks before it's too late. You know, there were probably good people that moved close to Noah and the ark just in case what he was saying was true. They probably said, I will stay here. Maybe he's telling the truth. And when it begins to rain, then we'll get in the boat. But the problem was is that door shut long before the rain ever started. And we sit here in decision, oh, I can wait. I've got time to wait. I can just hold on and, and maybe there's a, a signal, some magic whistle that's going to happen that's going to say, hey, now it's time to get in. Now it's time to do what I'm supposed to do. And that doesn't happen. That's not the life that I live in. Go ahead. Get this, Lot did not get enough of his experience in Egypt. He didn't get his fill of the sin that, he, that, that was going on there. So when Abram gives him a decision, he looks up and he says, Oh, this place looks like Egypt. I'm going to choose that direction. And we all know what happens to Sodom and Gomorrah. We all know what happens to Lot's wife because of this decision to choose a place that looks like the old sin that we should partake in. Go ahead. You hear that? The men of Sodom were wicked and sinners. There is a distinction. There are going to be a lot of good people who are not going to make it. Wicked people understand that they're doing something wrong. But good people can oftentimes say that their goodness is enough for re as a replacement for repentance. I don't need to repent. I'm a good man. I do good things. And it's that goodness that will get them in trouble. We have to be baptized in Jesus' name. We have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But first and foremost, we have to repent. And it's not about our goodness. Our righteousness is as filthy rags unto the Lord. It's that payment that we need to make. We need to repent. Go ahead.
hear this for just a minute. It was not until Abraham separated himself from the reminder of his past. When he separated himself from the reminder of what he had come from. Lot. Lot had to be separated from him. It was something he was holding on to for a long time. And he had to be separated. But as soon as he was separated from him, the Lord began to speak to his heart again. He made an altar out there in the middle and called on God, but God never answered. It wasn't until he separated himself from that past. It's not until we separate ourselves from the past that we are holding on to. From the hurts and the decisions that our family has, has trained us to do and think. It's not until we separate ourselves from that that God is able to step in and move into our situation. I'm closing. This is the greatest point I'm trying to make is that we have to make a decision but we're going to have to leave behind some things. Make that decision. In Ezekiel 18, 1 and 4, the word of the Lord came unto me again, saying, What meaneth ye that ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, saith the Lord God, you shall not have occasion any more to use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. This is saying you don't have to be bound by what was done in your past. You don't have to be bound by what your parents have done. What decisions they made on your behalf that you didn't ask for. You can make your own way and you can choose your own direction. But if you live in that mindset that this is just how we do things, this is just how my family is, then you're missing the point of what God's trying to do in your soul and your spirit. And I know this is not running and jumping and shouting, but I'm trying to impart to you what God said in my heart that you have to make a decision and you have to make it soon. If we could, if we could just bow our heads and pray. God, your name. Lord, I praise you and I magnify your name. Lord, let's please, oh God, continue to call and lead and guide our spirits and our souls. Let us to choose you, oh God. Lord, we worship you and we praise your name. We magnify you. God, I love you and I praise your name. Jesus, I worship you and I magnify you. Lord God, praise your name. Reach unto hearts, Lord God, that are resistant. I think that they have time to make up their mind about these subjects and these, these times. We can see the writing on the wall, oh God. Please let us make the right decision. Jesus, I praise you and I magnify you. I don't know if this has 
struck a chord with anybody, but I, I open these altars to anybody who wants to make the right decision today. It's not going to let what's happened in the past hold them down for tomorrow. They're going to take up their armor tonight and move in the right direction they need to go in. Don't be stuck out there in nowhere. Move towards what God has for you. But it takes a decision. Make a good one. Jesus. with what Sister Piercy got during the worship. God's fixing to wrap this up. God's fixing to win this thing. But are you going to be on His side? Are you going to be caught in the middle of nowhere, no man's land? Caught in the valley of indecision? Now I'm going to join the ranks. Anybody joining the ranks? Amen. If you're going to join the ranks... Why don't we do that? Why don't we just lift up our hands right now? And if you're committing yourself, God, I'm, I, I want to live on, on your side. I'm going to fight the fight. I want to be called and who you've called me to be. I'm going to stand on your side. In the name of Jesus.
I declare freedom for my family. I declare freedom for my home. I declare freedom for my daughters. I declare freedom for my sons. I declare what your word has spoken. No matter what I feel or what I see, I declare every chain is broken. We're going to be free. I declare freedom for my family. I declare freedom for my home. I declare freedom for my 
say amen. 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 It is an absolute honor to serve with you. It is an absolute privilege to be able to stand shoulder and shoulder with such awesome people and live for God. I'm thankful. I know with the help of the Lord, I probably could alone, but I'm telling you, it's so much better fighting shoulder and shoulder with such an awesome group of people. Amen. It is an absolute privilege to be able to stand shoulder to shoulder with each and every one of our church family. Amen. And we're on the winning side because we're on his side. Praise God. Amen. We are inviting everyone that would like to, to uh, you can stay, you can uh, run and grab, they're calling it a brown bag. Uh, I don't know where you can go that serves food in brown bags anymore. Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. Go to Carl's Jr. if you want a brown bag. You don't have to go and come back with a brown bag. You could have a a white bag, a black bag. All bags matter. Especially when there's food in it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So we're just like, you can go grab something, come back. We're going to fellowship, play some games, and just have a good time for a little while tonight. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name.